Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So if you've been with us for the last couple weeks, we've been doing a sermon series called Overwhelmed, and we've been talking about burnout. We've been talking about what are the things that get us overwhelmed, get us anxious, get us stressed out, and sometimes even leads to burnout. And we've been talking about what are the steps that take us out of that. Now, if you're visiting us for the first time, I want to thank you for being here. And I know it can sometimes feel a little weird of like, you come to a church, you're like, I don't know what to expect, what's it going to be like? But there's something I want to invite you to be part of. And that's if you have your smartphone or a device with you, download the YouVersion Bible app. And in that app, if you go to the events tab and you search for Grand Valley, it'll pull up kind of the outline of our whole service and what we're going to be talking about today. And we do this thing around here where I'm going to ask a couple questions as we go, and you can respond through the app, or we're going to have a mic going around later that we can discuss this together and we can talk about what does this mean? How are we applying this to our own lives? How does this challenge us and shape us to make a difference? And it's just kind of one of the ways around here that we recognize that All of us are on this journey together, and it's not just whoever's up front here that has good things to say about what we're talking about today. So I want to give us a quick recap of where we've been on this sermon series. So we've been working with this definition of burnout, of saying burnout is when a passionate and committed person becomes deeply disillusioned with their circumstances or their career, and all their enthusiasm gets taken away. And the point of this is to say that burnout happens. It's normal. We don't want it to be normal, but it's normal. It happens to people, and usually it's when circumstances get out of control or maybe we've pushed ourselves too hard for too long and we start getting disillusioned. And the main thing that we lose is our enthusiasm. We start losing our enthusiasm about the things that we cared for or the things that matter to us kind of seem to almost dim and fade away. And so we've been talking about this, borrowing some medical terms. We started off by talking about triage. How do we recognize the warning signs of when we get burnt out? Then we talked about critical care. What are, you, what are the things we need to do when you first recognize, maybe I'm burnt out? We, you talked about this thing called STAR, this little acronym that you can run through of saying, just stop, take a deep breath, pause, appreciate, find something to be thankful for, because there's something weird in how our brains are made. We actually can't be grateful and stressed out in the same moment. And so, Being thankful takes us out of that stressed out phase for just a moment and then respond with intention. Instead of reacting, we can respond. And so we talked about how you can run through that little tool in three seconds in your mind and how it can just bring your stress levels down and allow you to respond to a situation in a better way. And we talked about setting boundaries. And then last week was about treatment. What are the long-term things to do that will treat our burnout and help us heal from it? We talked about learning your pace learning what's sustainable. We also talked about sometimes challenging ourselves to raise our pace, to, to put ourselves in the best position for what we hope to achieve. And then lastly, um, what Nikki was talking about during the song was we talked about sometimes there's root issues underneath why we get burnt out. Sometimes there's a pain that we're overcompensating from or maybe a lie about ourselves we might believe. And, and what it all comes down to is that God wants to set us free from those things. He wants to heal those wounds. And that's exactly what the song we were just singing about is all focused on. So today, for our last week of this sermon series, we're talking about rehabilitation. Rehabilitation is how do we get to the place where burnout doesn't affect us anymore and we can prevent it from coming back. Because here's the truth. We can actually, every one of us, be at a point in our lives where we are burnout-proof. 
but it takes some intentionality and it takes some choices that we have to make. And that's what we're going to focus and talk about together today. Um, and once again, I just want to invite you to, to join in on that event on Uversion. We're going to have a conversation about this before we wrap up at 12. So today we're talking about one big concept in this whole rehabilitation thing. And it's a term that maybe you've heard of because it's something that started way back in the very beginning of Scripture and keeps getting talked about over and over and over again throughout the whole Bible. And that term is Sabbath. The Sabbath was something that God instituted for the ancient Israelites, and he made this commandment. He said to them, six days of the week you'll work, and the seventh day you'll rest. Six days for work, you know, one day for rest. Now, for us today, most of us probably work somewhere around a 40-hour work week, or even if you're on a shift work, a full-time shift rotation still has usually two days off in your rotation of seven days. So we think, wait, one day off? Right now I get two days off from work. You know, isn't that better? But Let's just put ourselves back a few millennium and think about this for a second. See, the ancient Israelites were an agrarian sustenance farming culture. That meant that if you wanted your family to survive, you either had to be growing crops, raising livestock, or providing services to those who were raising crops or growing livestock, and they would pay you in grains and livestock. Essentially, if you didn't work, you starved. And so this whole concept that God says to the Israelites you're going to take one day out of seven off, is saying you're actually going to cut your productivity by one-seventh, by about 15%, if we round the percentage off. This is a big deal of saying, as a nation, we're going to produce 15% less than all the nations around us because God is telling us to do this. In fact, God believed in this so deeply that it was one of the Ten Commandments, this basic building blocks of how the Israelites were to know God. And this is the way that, that God says it in the Ten Commandments. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You've six days for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest and dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. That includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. It's a day off. But here's the thing. Verse 10 says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord. And what happens is later on throughout the Israelite law, this starts getting expanded upon. It's not a day of absolutely nothing. In fact, it's a day of intention. It's a day when families would intentionally be together, when you'd intentionally be with your community. And it was the day that the Israelites would all gather together and they would have their gathering, which wouldn't be too unlike what we're doing now, where we'd gather together to focus on their faith. See, the Sabbath was this day of intention that was focused on family, community, and faith. And so what would happen is families would, they'd prepare their meals a day in advance, and then they'd gather together on the Sabbath and be in community with one another. It wasn't just do nothing all day. It was do things with intention. Now, there was a problem with the Old Testament view of Sabbath. There was a problem that started to grow and happen. And what that is, is over time, the religious leaders started putting all these rules and burdens on the Sabbath. There'd be very specific things about like how far you could walk or what you could do. And there was this like weird rules around you couldn't start a fire to cook, but you could stoke up a fire that you had started the day before. So if your fire went out, well, too bad, you're eating cold food. Like, 
weird, crazy rules that started getting piled add-on and add-on to the point where the people were dreading the Sabbath. They would end up spending the day before trying to prepare and work and and overexert themselves to be ready for what was supposed to be a day of rest and intention. And so what happened when Jesus came is he had to do some correction on this. And so early on in his ministry, Jesus is walking with his disciples and they're walking through a grain field. They're, you know, going to the next town, they're traveling. And what his disciples started doing as they were walking is they were hungry. So they would break off the heads of grain and just kind of, you know, mill it in your hand a little bit to get just to the kernel and they were eating it. And, you know, they're just making a little bit of a snack, just eating raw wheat, which isn't that tasty. Like I've tried it, it's not that good. But it's a snack. It's something. Now, what happened was the Pharisees, these religious leaders, saw the disciples doing this, and they got angry. They got upset. Now, but what they got upset about might surprise us. They're not upset that the disciples are taking these bits of wheat from the farmer's fields they're passing by. In fact, that was a commandment that farmers had to allow people that were traveling or people that were passing through, if they were in need, they were allowed to take a bit of grain as they went by. Now, they weren't allowed to harvest and take any with them, but they could take a little bit as they were passing by their fields. It's how the Israelites as a community were showing care and compassion and mercy to one another. So the Pharisees aren't upset that the disciples are taking the grain. They're upset about the fact that it's the Sabbath and his disciples are taking the grain on the Sabbath. And so they challenge Jesus about this. And this is what Jesus says. He says, haven't you ever read in the scriptures, talking about the Old Testament, what David, one of the the kind of the biggest king of the Old Testament was David, who was kind of marked as like this pinnacle of Israelite society was when David was the king. He says, haven't you heard what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, went into the temple, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. These were loaves of bread that were an offering to God that the priests um, would consume. So Jesus is pointing this out, that David broke the law, and these Pharisees honor David. They respect him. They revere him. And Jesus points out he broke the law, and he gave those loaves to his companions. Then Jesus says this, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, that's Jesus' term for himself, is Lord even over the Sabbath. See, what Jesus has done in this moment is he flips things around. See, the religious leaders treated the Sabbath like a day of following the rules. And Jesus says, no, the intention of the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not for the people to serve the Sabbath. This is a huge key point because what Jesus is getting at is the core. Sabbath is designed to meet your needs. The Sabbath is not about following rules. It's God's way of keeping you healthy. This is the whole point underneath the Sabbath through all of Scripture. It was to keep the Israelites healthy so that they could focus on being a community, so they could focus on each other, they could focus on knowing God that they could focus on being a difference in the world. It all came down to this. And there's a reason for this. There's a principle under this. A healthy person's 85% will have a greater impact than a burnt-out person's 100%. See, a Sabbath, one, one day out of seven, is roughly 15% if we round it up. In fact, if, you, if you're sleeping about eight hours a night, 
a Sabbath, one-seventh of your waking hours is 16 hours. Not that long of a chunk of time. But there's a point of this. See, the Sabbath was meant to meet our needs. And one thing that comes up every time, you know, you talk about the Sabbath or you read the Sabbath, everyone always asks this question. How am I supposed to carve out 24 hours in one chunk? I mean, I get it. We're busy. How am I supposed to find 24 hours to just focus on being with friends, being with family, being with community, focus on my faith? Here's the simple answer. You don't. The Sabbath does not have to be a 24-hour chunk of time. The Sabbath is any time that we spend intentionally on health, on community, on being with friends, on worshiping God, on knowing Him, um, serving one another, any of these things that help us build each other up, any of these things that help us grow in our faith is part of Sabbath. It's not a single chunk of time Sabbath can be what we're doing on a regular basis, sometimes even daily. It's more of a mindset of saying, what am I choosing to do with intention that helps me to be healthy and helps me to, have in, to grow in my faith, that helps me know my community well? So how can we focus on this? Because if we're healthy, if we're able to avoid things like burnout on the front end because this protects us from burnout... Even if we're choosing to take 15% of our time and focusing it on caring for ourselves and for each other, our 85% will be way more productive, will have way more of an impact than if we're giving 100% of our burnt-out selves. That's kind of the the, the key principle under this. And so I want to ask this first question, and we're going to come back to this question again, but how can you incorporate Sabbath time into your regular routine? It's not about carving out a whole day. Now, maybe if you're able to do that and you want to give it a shot, go for it. But I don't want you to feel this is not a burden, this is not a requirement, this is not a rule. But how do you incorporate it into your regular life? So what do you do with that 15%? What do you do? Because let's remember for a moment, Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. So there's this task we have to do, this evaluation piece what does Sabbath look like for me? What does Sabbath need to be that helps me grow in my faith, helps me grow with one another, helps me be healthy? And I want to go back to our very first week of this series when we talked about triage, and maybe you were here with us for that. And I talked about there's four areas of health in our lives, four areas, and we use this acronym, RPMs, you know, kind of talking a bit about a car. You know, a car has a tachometer. It shows how many revolutions per minute your engine's turning. And if you drive it too far you know, your engine will explode and, you know, you'll end up paying a mechanic a ton of money or writing your car off. So uh, just like a tachometer tells you when you're pushing your engine too much, we can look at our own health and start to recognize when we've pushed ourselves too far. And so these four things, RPMs, this acronym, relational health, physical health, mental health, and spiritual health. Now imagine for a second you have a square bucket, and each side of this square bucket is one of these four things. One side's relational, another's physical, another's mental, another's spiritual. Your bucket can only hold as much as your shortest side. Our capacity is limited by the area of our lives where we are the most unhealthy. That sets our bar of what we're able to do. And maybe you can try to push past that, but all you're doing is pushing yourself into that red line, into that danger zone of burnout when we stress ourselves too far. And so when we talk about Sabbath, I want to phrase it this way. 
what can you do that addresses one of these four areas? How can you choose to take time that focuses on your relational health, your physical health, your mental health, or your spiritual health? So, you know, an example of that, and and you guys can probably be thinking up of even better examples for your own lives. Like, for those of us that are parents, when's the last time you actually sat and played with your kids and weren't, like, cleaning up the toy room as you were trying to play with them? Or, like yesterday, Olivia and I were doing yard work, which really was Olivia almost bashing me in the head with a rake numerous times. But I'm like trying to say, hey, Olivia, let's play a game. How many sticks can we pick up and toss in the fire pit? That's not really play. That, that, that's work. But it's, you know, what I can do, though, is I can choose to spend time with her. And, you know, we spent a while just exploring the backyard, pointing out things. That, in its moment, was a moment of Sabbath. It was something that at the end of it, of this, you know, couple minutes we spent wandering around the backyard, I was like, that felt good. That was recharging to me. So there's this question, what's recharging to you? And so maybe if you're recognizing, you know, my physical health is kind of dropping. I've dropped the ball on that. You know, go for a walk. Go for a run. Or better yet, find someone to go for a walk or run with. Or maybe you play a team sport or something. And then you're addressing your relational health at the same time as your physical health. Or... Maybe it means spend, if spending time with friends is what recharges you. If you're feeling, you know, my relational health is low. I'm kind of feeling lonely and a bit isolated. You know, do a project with someone. Do something together with someone. Or even just, you know, sit down, have a coffee, have a real conversation about how are you doing and get past the, how's it going? Fine. Yeah, really, how really are you doing? You know, those are the things that address our relational health. You know, couples, when's the last time you had a date night? where you, you know, maybe got a sitter or if, you're, if your kids are old enough um, that you don't need to leave them a sitter. You know, when's the last time you took intentional time together? And married couples, the Sabbath doesn't have to end when you get home. Hint, hint, wink. No, not following me on that one. Maybe the Sabbath continues in the bedroom. Just a thought. But what are the things that draw you closer together? What are the things that encourage you, that recharge you? How do you spend your Sabbath working on these four areas. Because this is how God designed us. It's how God wired us. We have relational side of us that needs to be met. We have physical bodies that God gave us that we have to care for. You know, God gave us an incredible mind, an incredible brain that was modeled after who God is. We were made in his image. But we still have to take care of it. And then this last piece I want to talk about is the spiritual health. Because this is an easy one that we can let slip sometimes and not recognize it. See, God created ways that we can connect with him on a regular basis. And the first one of those is simply prayer. Prayer, talking with God, talking to him, listening to him. You know, it's impossible to have a relationship with someone if you never talk to them. And God desires a deep relationship with every one of us. He wants us to talk to him. Sometimes our prayers can just be, talking, telling God about this is what my day was. And yeah, he knows what our day was, but I think God wants to hear us talk to him about it. Isn't it better when someone tells you about their day than when you just like follow it on their Instagram story or their Facebook account? Wouldn't you rather have that conversation about it? See, prayer is one of these things that just like the Sabbath, when Jesus came, he needed to do some correction and he tried to re-guide us towards a way of prayer that actually helps us connect with God. And so again, Jesus is he's addressing a group of people. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, this long chunk of teaching near the beginning of Matthew. And Jesus says this to the people. He says, when you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites who love to publicly pray on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to the Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Because Jesus is saying, you know, there's those religious leaders, don't follow them. Because they're only praying so that you hear their prayers and think that they're religious. They're not actually talking to God. They're talking at you by pretending to talk to God. So what Jesus is saying in this is, no, pray, just pray by yourself. Pray with God. Now, he's not forbidding praying in groups or praying like we do on a Sunday morning or anything like that. But if your purpose of prayer is you just want other people to think you're spiritual, that's what Jesus is calling out on this. He's saying, don't do that. Pray authentically. Pray real. Pray with, with heart, with passion. Just share with God what's going on. And then Jesus goes on in the next verses. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. See, saying the same prayer over and over and over and over and over again doesn't make it any more effective. God would rather that we actually just talk to him authentically and real. And part of prayer is it's okay to ask God for things. Even though God already knows what we need and knows what we want, it's okay to ask him. Now, sometimes that answer is no. Sometimes that answer is not yet. Sometimes that answer is yes. But God still wants us to share those with him. You know, I know I use Olivia in a lot of examples, but let me just do one more. Olivia loves bananas. Like, I don't like bananas. I don't eat them. I just think they're kind of gross. But Olivia loves bananas. Now, if I walk into the kitchen and Olivia is standing by the counter where the fruit bowl is up there, and she can't reach it yet. She can stand on her stool, but sometimes she doesn't. And I walked in. This happened this week. I walked into the kitchen. Olivia's just standing there staring at the counter, just staring at the fruit bowl. I know immediately what she wants. Instantly, I know She's standing there. She wants a banana. And then she kind of looks over at me and then looks back at the fruit bowl. Just standing there. Now, here's the thing. I could just step in and give her that banana. But I'm trying to teach her, you know, you have to ask for things. You know, I'm here to help you. I'm your parent. I'm your dad. So I said, Olivia, is there something you want? And then she goes, banana. And then I give her the banana. But the point of it is saying is she could stand there and just look at what she wants But until she asks, until she asks for help, she's not going to get it. You know, and I don't really want her climbing up furniture and, and, you know, doing the jungle gym thing that kids do. We're not quite in that stage, but uh, yeah, it'll be soon. But the point I'm trying to get at with this is even though God knows what we want, he knows the desires of our hearts, he still wants us to talk with him about them. He still wants us to ask. He still wants to be in that relational connection with him. Secondly, another way that God created for us to know him is through his word, through scripture. You know, the number one primary way that God speaks to us on a regular basis is through the Bible, is through scripture. And as we read it, God promises that he gives us his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit will illuminate and help us understand scripture as we read it. Now, if you don't know where to start, start with one of the gospels, start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pick one of them, start there. Don't start in the Old Testament if you've never read through the Scripture again. There's great stuff in the Old Testament, but some of it's just confusing. 
and some of it I still don't know what it means, but start with the New Testament, start with the Gospels, or even better yet, if you've put that YouVersion Bible app on your phone, every time you open it and you're on the homepage, there's a verse of the day that pops up. Start with just that. Read that. Think about it for a while. You know, maybe mull it over as you're driving or as you're, you know, doing other things. Just think about what, what could this mean? What maybe is God wanting to say to me through this verse? You can start small with that, but that's one of those things that helps us connect with God. Another way that God designed us to connect with him is to do it together. Exactly what we're doing here, or maybe you're in a small group, or sometimes it's just having a conversation about your faith over a coffee. You can just ask this you know, simple question, you know, what have you been seeing God doing in your life lately? And it makes us start thinking about where are those times when God has been active? Maybe there was that time where something was really meaningful and spoke to you. And then another thing that I often do is I listen to podcasts and I try, I try to read books. I'm often a slow reader sometimes, but, but things like podcasts and books are ways that can help us connect to God. But if we're not aware of our spiritual health, it's easy to forget about it. It's easy to let that one slip to the side and suddenly one day you might realize, huh, you know, it's been a while since I prayed. It's been a while since I read any scripture. It's been a while since I was at church together and was able to sing with each other. See, when we invest in our Sabbath, we become burnout proof. Because your Sabbath needs to be what helps you become healthy physically, relationally, mentally, and spiritually. Because a healthy person's 85%. So if you take 15% to focus on this concept of Sabbath, a healthy person's 85% will have a greater impact than a burnt out person's 100%. That's why God made the Sabbath for us. And so I want to come back to this first question and then we're going to move on of saying, how can you incorporate Sabbath time into your regular routine? It might be five minutes here, five minutes there. It might be you can carve out you know, an hour or two to be with someone or you know, an hour to go to the gym and work on your physical health. But how can you build that into your regular life? Because that's how it becomes effective, when it becomes a weekly rhythm. But I want to go beyond just weekly for a moment. See, we can also have monthly and yearly rhythms as well. Sometimes, for me, one of the things I really look forward to is, is in the summer we often take some vacation time, and it's time that I usually take to reflect on the year. You know, when I can kind of step back from all my day-to-day duties and actually think, okay, what was I accomplishing this year? What, what are the things that we need to focus on for the next year? What are some, maybe some changes I need to make? Because it's a good break of saying like, you know, maybe you take a week of vacation, and during that week you figure out and you decide, okay, I'm going to make some changes when I go back. And when you go back, instead of just slipping into your same routines, you know, when you get home or, or whatever your vacation looks like, you can choose to do something different. See, for me, family camp is one of those weeks. Even though at the end of family camp, I feel pretty physically worn out because I've always pushed myself to do more and, you know, gone and flipped canoes or tipped sailing boats and had a blast with that. But at the end of the week, I feel a little physically worn out where it's like, oh, I haven't used those muscles in a while. But the other thing that happens during family camp is every single year, I've walked away from family camp with my relational tanks full, with my mental health feeling full, with my relationship with God feeling full. Every single year. I've walked away from family camp and said that was time well spent. It was time with people. It was time just getting away from, you know, and to be honest, the biggest thing I like about family camp is that this does not work there. 
there is only one spot on the island where you can get cell reception. So if you need to check your Facebook feed or you need to get an email out, you can go to the back dock. But you have to choose to walk to the back dock with your phone, get a signal, do what you need, and then as soon as you walk to the rest of the island, it's no good. Honestly, if they ever stuck a cell phone booster up, I'd be, I'd be upset. Because it's getting me out of the regular day-to-day. It's spending that time with intention. You know, family camp is one of those things for me that has a huge impact. And so I want to ask you to think about this. What are some of the monthly or yearly rhythms that you need to create to prevent burnout? What are some of the monthly or yearly things that maybe you, you remind yourself, I've got to take a step back and focus on this. I've got to take a step back and evaluate my life, evaluate where I'm at, evaluate my health. Because those are the things that when we incorporate them over time, it makes us burnout proof. We start seeing those warning signs earlier and then we know how to address them. We know how to make small changes that will have a bigger impact that will prevent us from sliding down that slope into burnout, into being overwhelmed. But it takes an intentional choice off the bat. And this is something God has created for us. God created us with limits for a reason. But God also created every single way that we can meet our needs physically, relationally, mentally, and spiritually. He did that on purpose. And so, these are the two questions that are about what we're talking about today. And we want to do something else together as we do our today's meet discussion in just a second. Is I want to ask kind of about our whole series. And just as kind of a recap, we talked at the beginning about triage. You didn't burn out in one day, and you won't fix it in one day. Recovery from burnout takes time, but it's time well spent. Critical care, recovery from burnout is possible, but it requires making changes. And so we're talking about what are those changes to make. Last week, we were talking about how God didn't make us to burn out, but he created us with a purpose. And as we find those purposes, as we find the things that God uniquely wired and created us for, we recover from burnout and we make ourselves burnout proof. And then today, this is our main key thought that I hope you you dwell on. Invest 15% in being healthy. One-seventh. And your 85% will have a greater impact than your burnt out 100. So here's the three questions that we're going to wrestle with and talk about a bit together. Is how can you incorporate Sabbath time into your regular routine? What are some of the monthly or yearly rhythms that you need to create to prevent burnout? And how is this sermon series, kind of as a whole, how has this helped you? And sometimes it's really encouraging to hear how this is affecting other people around. And so if you type something in on the app, it'll pop up on my screen here. And also uh, Rod's got a microphone and he's going to walk around with it. But let's start with this first one. Um, How can you incorporate Sabbath time into your regular routine? And two comments that came in, more coffee with friends, more unstructured time with God. And there's a mom's group I've started to attend weekly. It's a couple hours where I purposely can connect with God and the other woman where I know my kids are taken care of. I mean, something like that that's weekly, that's an awesome example of a Sabbath. What else? What is, how can you incorporate Sabbath time in your regular routine? If you just stick up your hand, Rod will bring the microphone to you so we can all hear uh, the comments that you have to say. How, what are some other examples? How could this be part of our regular week? Since I've got the mic, I'll share for myself. Um, What I find is even for physical exercise, when I take the time to do it, the energy that it gives me 
uh, more than compensates than the time that it takes from me. And uh, it's like that in most in most things, in relationships and uh, everything else as well. Yeah, it may feel like you're, there's a cost to what you're invent, investing, but the benefit that we get out of it, because it's how God wired us to take care of ourselves, is worth so much more. Um, it's a great comment to add. Any other thoughts? How, how could you incorporate this in your regular routine? Come on, you've got to be thinking something. Help me out here. How about this second question? What are some of the monthly or the yearly rhythms that you need to create that'll prevent burnout? What are maybe an example of something you already do or even something you're like, I wish I did this? Is that something, is there any ideas you have that you want to share? Maybe it'll give someone else the idea of something they need to do. Are we just a quiet bunch today? Yeah. Yeah, signing signing up for a class, signing up for something physical, a yoga class. It's a great example of doing something that'll actually help with help with, you know, that that's one that's great for physical, but it's also relational too, being around other people up here, here at the front. Actually for me, it's always that I start off really well, but then somehow I lose it in the middle. And you know, it's just to bring it back again to what you had first thought is so difficult. So, I mean, I'm actually answering the third question here is like, you got to be focused mm-hmm. and, and to get back is so difficult. Yeah. It, and it takes effort to get back to it. And, and it's, it's difficult, but there's, there's something, I mean, it's tough for us to do because we're, every one of us is our own worst critic. And so when we have a week you know, a week like this, uh, I just, I overscheduled meetings and I had, you know, a day in Winnipeg for some, some denominational meetings. And I'm like, on Wednesday, it's like, man, I have not spent time on the things I really want to work at. And I'm critical of myself, but we have a choice to make in that moment. We can remain critical or we can say, okay, no, for the rest of this week, this is the pattern I'm going to start. And so a big way is how do we give ourselves the freedom to say, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up about the mistakes I've made in the past but what are the choices and the changes I'll make moving forward? Maybe that can help with it. On here, there's a comment of saying, what's the monthly or yearly rhythms? Um, and someone just said, purposeful time with just my husband. You know, spending time working on that critical relationship of your marriage. Because, you know, that's a critical relationship that will overflow into all areas of your health and your other relationships. If that one is strong and secure the rest of your relationships will, and things you need to do go so much easier. Um, any other thoughts on the second question before we move on? All right, now this one's a little broader. How has this whole sermon series about burnout helped you? Uh, and there's a comment here saying, it's a reminder to set goals before I'm in a crisis. You know, recognize those warning signs, making the changes early. And also, burnout happens so slowly sometimes. This series has helped me to realize realize it happens more quickly and has given me ideas and techniques to address it in a healthy way. That's our goal, is we want this to, to be able to show that God's word and is meant to be helpful for us. And so thank you to whoever put that in there. Any other thoughts? How, maybe a bit of a testimony, how has this focus on burnout helped you? You mentioned about this RPMS, relational, mental, physical, and uh, spiritual. Mm-hmm. My personal struggle has been how to balance one 
against the other. Mm -hmm. So I think I struggle a lot in especially going a little more spiritual than I lose out on the others. So I think it's something that helped me to even think through how I can rebalance myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any better way of uh, <laughs> saying, you know, you mentioned about the bucket with each side. And I, I'm very, very, I realize it's very true. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I, I would say, you know, as a caution, don't neglect the other three areas if one is critical. But focus on the critical one. Like, don't completely neglect three areas of your health if one of them's in crisis. But the crisis one really needs the most attention. And so it's that balancing, shifting priorities. And as that one comes up, maybe you start realizing, wait, now I need to put a little more attention on my relational side of actually, you know, connecting with my friends, connecting with peer groups, and so on. But yeah, thanks for sharing that. Any other thoughts on how has this series helped you? See, for me, it's one of these challenging things every week of, I don't want to speak on something unless it's something that has been impacting me at the same time. Um, and I've shared in the past uh, about some of the times when I've let myself run into burnout, where it, it started, uh, you know, for me, it got to the point where it was manifesting as anxiety attacks. And that was happening regularly, and I was just figuring, I just had to learn to deal with it. But it actually wasn't until some people helped me work through some of the deeper underlying issues. And to be honest, I don't think we could have done this series as a church two years ago. I don't think we could have focused on this. Or if anything, I would have been up here speaking about this all in theory of, well, here's what you should do. But at the that point, you know, I was wrestling with burnout and fighting through it. But here's the piece that I want to give you that I hope you'll walk away with. It's normal to feel stressed. It's normal to feel overwhelmed. It's normal to get burnt out because it means we've pushed ourselves. And sometimes there's external circumstances that we can't control that push us there. But we can always choose how we respond. We can always choose to say, instead of focusing on how far in the pit of burnout I am, I can choose to focus on the hope that God never intended for me to be in this spot. God never intended for me to be burnt out, worn out, exhausted. But in fact, God already created the mechanisms and the ways that we can step out of burnout, that we can come back towards health. And so I want to encourage you to just focus on that hope piece. Focus on that there is a path that God's laid out for us that we can be free from burnout, free from anxiety, free from being overwhelmed. Because ultimately, that's what a loving father wants for us. God wants us to not be consumed by burnout, but to be able to be his partners, to be able to work with him, to be making a difference in our world, to be encouraging one another to grow in our faith. In fact, you know, if we don't have the time to go through every time in Scripture where God is calling us to encourage and help and support and care for one another. But if you're feeling burnt out, if you're in that spot, there is a path forward. I hope you'll dwell on that and focus on that, whatever stage you might be at. So let's take a moment, let's pray together before we wrap up. God, thank you for your deep love for us and that you desire for us to be healthy and whole and to know you deeply. And Father, I pray that we this week would have an extra awareness for the places in our lives that we may have neglected. 
um, that you'd help us see a path forward for what we could do to start making small changes that lead to a greater impact. Father, we know that your plan is that you don't want any one of us to be burnt out, but for those of us here who are in that spot, would you give us hope? Would you give us encouragement? Would you give us a picture of what we can achieve if we start making these changes towards finding health and finding wholeness that's only found in you? So, Father, would you guide us this week? Would you make us aware of the times when you're speaking to us and calling us to know you better? In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Next week, folks, we're launching into a new sermon series. Next week is also Child Dedication Sunday. And uh, the series next week I'm really excited about. We're going to be talking about what are some of the practical ways that we can start taking steps to grow in our faith. So, folks, I hope to see you back here next Sunday. Have a great week. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.